0: You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. Last week I started talking about Jehoshaphat in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 19 and 20 and I said how very often uh, preachers like to talk about 2 Chronicles 20 where they, they had this war going on and Jehoshaphat is the king and they send the worshippers out first and um, the whole enemy is defeated without any battle having to take place on on part of of Judah and and all God's people. Um, But in in chapter 19, we see some reforms that Jehoshaphat made, and I was making a case, I believe, for saying that it's the preparation that made the difference. It was in chapter 19 that caused the victory in chapter 20. In chapter 19, Jehoshaphat went through on foot or on horse. I don't know how he did it, actually. But he went um, and he got amongst the people and he moved amongst the towns and villages and the the verse says, he turned the people back to the Lord. He turned the people back. And then back in Jerusalem, he reinstated the the status of the Levites, the the worshipping tribe, and he put them in charge of making sure that God's law was being enforced. And so he was, he was getting justice put back into place, and he was making sure the worship of God was put in place. That was all in chapter 19. And then in chapter 20, the first two words of chapter 20 are, After this, a vast army came Uh, and and, um, was a threat to to Judah. So I talked about how um, Judah and Jehoshaphat, Judah being the southern part of the kingdom of Israel at this time, were fully prepared, and they were firmly determined, because Jehoshaphat, when he heard about this, he was terrified. He was a great king in many ways. He wasn't perfect, as no one is, but he was terrified. And so because of his terror, he... Fully determined, he resolved to enquire of the Lord. And he called a fast for all of Judah, and he asked for all the people to come and assemble. And because of the preparation that had gone on, they were their hearts were ready. They were ready to respond to this call to fast and to enquire of the Lord. And so they, they stand before God, and the verse talks about them, the, all of Judah standing before the Lord, with their wives and their children and their little ones. So I had this wonderful picture in my mind of, of a family united, standing before God. And we stopped there. We didn't hear any more of the story. So today we pick it up from there. And I want to say today is the grand crescendo of all of that preparation because I want to tell you that preparation pays. And I'm sure you know that in your own life, if you're prepared for things, um, it's a lot easier to, to go through the thing that you've prepared for. If you rush into something, if you're going for a job interview and you're not prepared, or if you go into an exam and you're not prepared, or you just go to work and you're not prepared, um, it's just can be quite a shambles of a situation. Or you go into a situation where you've got to talk to someone and it's a difficult conversation that you've got to have, and, and you think through, what is it? What is start with the end in mind what is it that i want to achieve here or what is it i believe god wants to achieve in this situation and you go in prepared preparation pays it really really does and you see that here in this in this story so we finished last week with a couple of slides this one was a plot summary on the left hand side which a bit of a spoiler alert because i haven't finished reading the whole story with you yet Um, But we we got as far as the first few lines which says that God's people... Turn back to him in chapter nineteen, and then the enemy attacks. And we related to that many times. We felt the same way. We've 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 had our twenty-one days of prayer, and many of us have said we we've moved closer into unity with with God or or um, communion with the, with the Holy Spirit, and spending a bit more time. Some people have been saying they've they've set their alarm clock a tiny bit earlier, and they've spent time with God. And the enemy is as attacked. It does happen. The enemy is disgruntled and disturbed by what we're doing and that was what happened here and then God's people seek him and that's where we got to we're going to hear today how God speaks how God's people obey how God delivers them and then it finishes with worship but worship isn't just at the end it's, it's part of the strategy it's part of it we heard this morning um, how God is going to fight our battles for us and what do we do we praise him We praise him. That's our job. That's our main role in the situation. And and I believe there's some wonderful parallels in this story. And on the right-hand side of the slide, you can see how I've pulled out some key actions that Israel um, did in this story. There was a time of repentance. Repentance means to turn around, a 180-degree turn, and they turned away from their wicked ways and and their not serving God and not following God. And Jehoshaphat turned the people back to God. Maybe for some of us There's some turning away. In our 21 days of prayer, we had a format for prayer to help us. Not a legalistic thing, but it certainly helped me to follow the the letters P-R-A-Y. We start with praise and then we move to repentance. And we just ask the Lord, is there anything in me that you want to put right? Is there anything I've done that you want me to apologize for, say sorry for, or turn away from? And even the, and then A is for asking, and then Y was for yielding, and even there we just sit in silence some of us and just yield to the Lord and say, "God, my life is on the altar. Is there anything you want me to do? Anything you want me to turn away from? And I believe that repentance is a neglected art or a neglected discipline in the life of many Christians. And we need to be open to God's correction because a father disciplines the children that he loves. Repentance, prayer, obedience. It's all very well when God speaks. It's wonderful when God speaks. But often there's obedience. And sometimes people talk about how they've got unfulfilled prophecies in their lives. And you say, well, I have all these prophecies. Was the prophecy wrong? And sometimes prophecies are actually conditional like, if my people. And they forget the if and they just look at the promise. Sometimes there is obedience. And in this story, there's a wonderful picture of obedience in this story. That's not always the case. Sometimes um, prophecy isn't fulfilled because, A, it came through a human who was flawed. Or, B, it, it was, there's just a delay. There's a, there's a reason for the delay. And God's told you in advance what he's going to do. And we just have to wait. And that's pretty, pretty tough too. But anyway, obedience is one of the reasons... Um, we, we wait for prophecy to be fulfilled. And then the last thing we saw as an action, or we will see today, is the action of worship. And that's why I think it's wonderful when we've finished listening to his word, we're going to spend just a time singing a little bit and responding to what we've heard. And I pray that you don't hear me, you'll hear my heart, you'll hear my voice, but I just pray that you will hear God in, in his word even if you don't get everything I'm saying, look, I'm going to be reading scripture here and I just pray that the Lord will speak through his divinely anointed scripture as I read it to you in Jesus' name. We finished with the last slide saying, well, we've, we finished our 21 days of prayer, that, that concluded last Sunday, and... Um, I just felt like it was good to to keep the momentum going for some of us, for those of us who've benefited from it. And I thought, well, let's just carry on with that if we can, Uh, and we should, at least be praying every day. We should be praying all the time. The Bible says pray without ceasing and that's got to perhaps for some of us help us re-evaluate what prayer means because if we're going to pray without ceasing there's got to be a way of it it being just aware of God's presence in in certain circumstances but as we're doing all of that continuing on that uh, momentum that some of us have gathered throughout January I suggested that it's a time of preparation for some of us and it's not an easy prayer to pray because we don't really know what it means as far as the answer goes. Sometimes you pray for something and you know what you're praying for is so, so, spe- so specific, the answer's going to be clear. But when you pray something a bit like this, like the prayer I've suggested, prepare my heart, uh, you kind of don't even know when it's been answered. But that's what I felt was a good prayer for us to be praying. Lord, prepare my heart. Prepare my heart for what it is you've got next for me as an individual. God's moving people. God's shifting things in in people's hearts. But for us as a congregation, as a family united, standing before God with their men, their children, their wives and their little ones and their singles, as a family united, standing before God, prepare us. As Jehoshaphat went went through the land, turning people back to God, Lord, prepare us our hearts so that we can stand together before you and receive what it is you've got for us and do what it is you've got for us to do. So they're the things from last week and it's time to move forward into the story. So um, and it's just another way of saying the same thing. A prepared heart puts things right. We're talking about preparation pays. A prepared heart turns to God in times of need. We saw that last week. And now we're going to see how a prepared heart listens and obeys. Remember, I'm saying that a lot of this, I believe, only happened because of the previous chapter. People's hearts were prepared. And this is the kind of payoff we will see if we prepare our hearts and turn back to God in some areas where he challenges us to do so. 2 Chronicles 20, picking up now in verse 14. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeiel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite and descendant of Asaph as he stood in the assembly. Well, that's an inspired scripture, isn't it? Let's just stay on there for a little while. As I have said, this has already started before the crisis, this preparation. Notice that this person, this man, on whom the Spirit of the Lord comes, is a Levite, what would be the chances that because of chapter 19, where it says in Jerusalem also, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites to administer the law of the Lord, he's he's reinstated the importance of the Levitical priesthood system. What are the chances that because of that, this guy was ready to hear from the Lord? What are the chances that if, if all of this had happened without chapter 19 and things the status as they were in chapter 18, whatever that was like, obviously they weren't in a good place because they had to be turned back to God. Would this, is it likely that the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon this person if he's not seeking God, if he's not turned back to God? So you see the preparation paid When they sought the Lord, he spoke and they heard him because their hearts were prepared. The other thing I wanted to say, so I I just put the, the point on the screen there, sorry. When you put God first, you'll hear him speak. You will. Not every day necessarily. I've never heard the audible voice of God. Some people have, I think that's incredible. Some people say they have, I think that's even more incredible. But I do believe people do hear the audible voice of God. But he speaks, and the more you lean in, the the, the more you draw near to him, the more he draws near to you, and you hear his heart. I said last week that the the more I give of him my heart, the more he shows me his heart. Sometimes we have dry days, sometimes we walk through the valley, and sometimes it's just another very human day. Let's, Let's be down to earth about this. But as a general principle, the more you lean into God, the more you hear him speak. The more you incline your ear, the more you will hear what he is saying. And he's speaking, whether you're listening or not. You've got to tune in. And that's what I believe is happening here for Israel. The second thing I wanted to say is, I could have skipped all those names. It's it's Jezah, that guy there, I can't even say his name. I said it all right a minute ago. He's never mentioned anywhere else, I don't think. His name crops up here and there, but I think there's other people called by the same name. He's a complete outsider. And that's why I think he's got five generations listed, including Asaph, who wrote some of the Psalms, because nobody would have known who he was. God can use you in prophecy. Prophecy. He was just—I I just see him as an ordinary guy, just working in the temple, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him. It could happen to you. It should happen to you. Paul, in his um, in, in his letter to the Corinthians, was was so pleased that all the Corinthians were speaking in tongues, and he was pleased that he spoke in tongues even more than them. But he would, oh, that you would prophesy. And that's to all of them. In the Old Testament, they didn't have the Holy Spirit didn't have the Holy Spirit in the same way we do. Pentecost hadn't happened. God hadn't sent his Holy Spirit, Jesus hadn't sent the Spirit onto onto all of his people in the same way, and he had to rise up prophets to speak direction and speak word. But today, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Jehaziel was just an ordinary guy, just like you and me. So was Elijah, by the way, because it says so in James 5. He was an ordinary guy, just like you and me. But because he was spending time with God, leaning in, listening, he was able to speak God's words to his people. And I just thank God that we're in a church that leaves space. I thank God that we have a worship team that just don't bash through all the songs and and fill the room with noise, a wall of noise, and leave space for God's people to speak, Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice." God can speak through you. Sometimes people have said, oh, "I had this little word or this little picture, and oh, I didn't, I didn't dare share it." Or maybe get to a home group or a small group where you can you can start to exercise those gifts, and and uh, and we have to weigh them up. You know, they come through human agency, so we have to weigh them up. We're all we're all flawed, but have a go. Have a go, listen to him, and if you feel him speaking, let him speak through you. Okay, so I just hope that encourages you. Reading on. Back to the map, which we, we had a look at last time. So you can see at the top, Jerusalem, you can see a, a, a path that would be taken from En which is where the, um, the, the, the Ammonites and the Moabites, you can see where they live on the right-hand side of the map, um, have assembled. This is what the prophet says. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat Jeho- and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. He doesn't, doesn't sort of water it down, and say it's only a little army, don't be afraid. That's how man and women and people encourage you. They say, don't worry, it's not a big thing. God doesn't do that. He says, yeah, it's a biggie. But don't be discouraged. I'm infinitely Bigger. For the battle is not yours. Did we hear that in the worship? Even in some of the songs, the, the theme was there. But God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. Right, let's just pause here. I have got some points that will come on the screen, but I just feel prompted to say the battle is not yours, but God's. You've made it yours. I don't know who this is for, this is for someone in here today. Maybe someone listening online, this battle is not yours, and you have made it your battle. You have taken it on. You have grappled with it. You've, you've, I see someone just holding something in their hands, turning it around, pulling it apart. It's like this puzzle, this battle, this thing, and you're wrestling with it, and it's wearing you down. It's tiring you out. You are becoming exhausted, and it was the Lord's battle. Let it go. Let God deal with it. The, the way you let go of it is your hands let go of it and they head towards heaven. You praise him. You praise him. And the Lord's been teaching me this this week. He's been showing me how... how some, as, as I, I often pray as I'm walking and, and I'm praying and I'm quietly just, if there's no one around, I'm just quietly speaking or singing in tongues and I'm going, as I walk along. And I'm just thinking and thinking and thinking about stuff that's troubling me. And the Lord's been showing me, just, John, you're supposed to just focus on me and praise me. Every time that thought, every time that problem, every time that life puzzle comes into your head, just drop it and praise me. So maybe that's just for me, but I just feel like there's other people in here who need to hear that today. The battle is not yours, but God's. Get off it. Tomorrow, march down against them. Oh, that's, that's a bit of a blow. I thought we were going to stay at home and have a cup of tea. God said he was going to take care of it all. Oh God, you just lured us into a sense of false security there because you just said it was your battle and now you're saying march. I don't want to go out. It's a vast army. You said it's a vast army. Why can't you just take care of things? God still wants to involve you. He still wants to, he just takes, do you know why he does it? Because he loves you. He wants you involved. He wants you to watch. Just come down, come down and watch what I'm going to do. So you've still got some marching to do. He will give you instruction. You listen to what he's saying. You listen to his voice. You listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And he says, drop the battle, but go over there and I want you to just, this will be the best vantage point for you. This is where I want you to be. You've got some marching to do, but you've got some letting go to do as well. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the Pass of Ziz, and you can see that on the map now. They haven't, so they won't have got far. Um, according to Google Maps today, as I showed you last week, that journey, if you were to walk it, is about 18 hours non-stop walking. So, um, just to give you an idea of how far it is, they've got an army marching that far. So They're in Jerusalem. They've got to zip down to Ziz. But tomorrow, march down against them. So they've got quite a trek to go. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the gorge of the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Go and march up against them. You won't have to fight. This This is our God. He just wants you present. He just wants you involved in the battle. He's going to do the He's going to do the hard stuff. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. He knows we are like grass. He knows we're made from dust. He remembers who we are. He knows we'll be discouraged. He knows we'll be afraid. But he still pushes us out. He wants to stretch our faith. He wants to show us his hand at work. He wants us to face our enemy. Because when we face our enemy and then watch him deliver us, our faith builds even stronger. And we can take on even greater giants. So, just a few points of encouragement. Number one, don't be afraid, however vast the army is. Twice, he says, do not be afraid or discouraged. Once in verse 15 and once in verse 17. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Fear is of the enemy. Fear is a a weapon that the enemy uses. Fear is another page in the devil's playbook. He wants to strike fear into the hearts of people. Because fear cripples, fear is a prison, fear keeps you hemmed in, fear stops you marching. And all sorts of thoughts can come in to cause fear. And sometimes they come from people, sometimes they come from reality. You know, just, just common sense, common reality. But if God's told you not to worry, you don't worry. Despite what the doctor's report says, dis- despite what the other report says, whatever, but despite what the bank says, you don't worry. Second thing is, know that the battle is not yours but God's. And I said I had some points, I just wanted to stop there, and I've talked about that already. But as I've read this little section that's on the screen now, I've been reminded about the stuff we were looking at last Year as we spent some time talking about the full armour of God and we, we started the year last year by looking at the belt of truth and we, we had about 10 weeks on various truths that we hold to as a church and then on the Wednesdays we, we carried on looking at various parts of the armour. The battle is not yours but God's. Finally, Ephesians 6 verse 10 be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Can you feel a parallel here? This is the New Testament echoing what the, the Old Testament was foreshadowing. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Whatever your battle feels like it's against in the natural world, there is a spiritual element to it. Which is why you can't fight your battle in the natural. Not the way God intends. This is not your battle. It's the Lord's. Let go, let it drop, raise your hands to worship and see what he tells you to do. And don't step forward until he tells you. Sometimes he won't even tell you to march. He'll just tell you to stand in the full armour. The third thing in this little section is go only when and where he sends you. I was listening to a, a, a testimony a couple of weeks ago of someone who, who'd read a book on um, a mission, on on um, a, a biography of, of some missionary down in, in South America or Brazil or whatever, and he felt so stirred by it that he, he was... A, a, quite young, in his 20s, that he felt like he had to do the same. In fact, he knew he felt the calling of God on his life into the ministry. So he sold up whatever he had and he moved into Brazil. All hell broke loose. It wasn't wasn't working at all. And he said, God, I know that you called me to the ministry and this book inspired me and I moved to Brazil and, and look what's happening. And God said, I didn't tell you to go to Brazil. I just called you to the ministry. Stop. Listen. Pause, praise, respond when I give you further instruction. Go where he tells you and go where he tells you. I wouldn't be living in Brixham if I didn't follow that kind of thinking. Go when he tells you. I felt called to the ministry, age 14 I think it was, ended up teaching, I thought I'd I'd do a little bit of teaching and then drop down to part-time, work in a local church and slowly... Increase my hours for a church, and that was what I thought would happen. I taught in the same school for 19 years, and I even came to the decision that, well, this must be my ministry that I felt called to. But when He calls you, you go. Eventually, the call came, and here I am. Go when He tells you, and go where He tells you, and don't ask too many questions. The last one is stand firm and watch God in action. He says in verse 17, Take up your positions, stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Again, in Ephesians 6, put on the full armour so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. There's not a whole lot of fighting going on. There's a whole lot of standing. It almost feels like I'm standing around. But it's not boring standing around. It's standing in awe of what God is doing before your very eyes. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord, your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. Have faith in his prophets. As I said earlier, we... We have a different view of prophecy in the New Testament because we can all receive words from the Holy Spirit. But, you know, there are still people in the New Testament and people in the New Testament way of thinking who could be recognized by the church as prophets, having a particular prophetic ministry. And I do believe we should listen when God speaks. We should listen when God speaks. And we do have to weigh it up. We have to judge it. We have to test the Spirit's. As I say, they come through human agency. We don't, um, we don't sort of just follow everything blindly. But there was a message sometime this year, some few weeks ago, that I think we, sh- we shouldn't ignore because it, it matches what other people have been saying. Other people in different churches around the bay and other people in this church. On the 19th of January, there was an interpretation of tongues at the end of the meeting. And From what some of us have gathered together, the words of it, no one wrote it down at the time, this is as close as we can remember what was said. My children, this is a time of preparation. This is a time when I am preparing my people for the things that are to come in this land. This time is now. For very soon I will pour out my Holy Spirit on the streets of this nation, and men's hearts will be in agony because of their sin. The anguish of this land will be very great, and then they will rush to the places that I have prepared for them, like an oasis in the desert's place, and there will be reconciliation like never before in this land. Brother will be reconciled to brother, fathers to children, mothers to daughters, sisters to sisters. Broken hearts will be mended, cruel words will be cancelled, and the truth will be spoken in quiet places. My children, these things, these are the things that are to come in this land. Heed this word from the Lord. I don't know what you feel about that. You might feel, wow, I have to go and weigh that up. I'd kind of forgotten that that happened. But you can't take that sort of thing lightly, can you? You've got to take that sort of thing seriously. You've got to go away and pray about it. I'm not telling you every word is from God. I want you to weigh that up. My sheep that's you, hear my voice. And once I say mi- my, I mean Jesus is speaking there. You're not my sheep. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Weigh it up. Think about it. Pray it up. So we thought about this idea of a time of preparation. And I'd already planned to talk about Jehoshaphat. I'd already planned to talk about this whole story. And then as I started to study the story, I saw that it was all in the preparation. The key was in the preparation. In home group last week, I had a picture of a pie chart, just because I like pie. And the pie chart symbolizes me, my life, my heart, if you like, and how much of it is surrendered over to God. It's a very simple diagram. There's only two sections to it. There's the the section that's surrendered to God, and the the section that's not surrendered to God. And I suppose I could have put one on the board that was was sort of the unregenerate person who hasn't given their life to Jesus, where you've got 100% not surrendered to Jesus. I could have started there. But I've started here with someone who, um, and I think this is a a lot of us, a lot of the time. In fact, that's generous a lot of the time, where the large part, probably 95%, is surrendered to God, and then the slither slice is just something I haven't given over to God. But here's the, the reason I had the picture. I could give a little bit more over to God. I could say, well, do you know what? I'm going to be honest with myself. Between me and God, I don't have to tell anybody else. I've offended God in certain ways by doing certain things or not doing certain things that I told, he told me to do. I'm going to put that right, but I'm still holding something back. However small that slither gets it still goes right to the center. And I know that's a crude example, but it's just something that came to me as as I saw that that slither getting smaller and smaller. It still cuts right to the heart. God wants all of you. He wants all of me. That is my reasonable act of worship for all that he has done. However however slight the is that I'm holding back and not surrendering to him, something he wants me to give up, Something he wants me to change, but I just can't let go. Or something he just wants me to say, if you need to take that from me, Lord, take it. It's all yours. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The heart is so important. The best way to guard your heart is to give it all to God. It's God asking you to give something up to change something about your life because I believe that is the preparation that was prophesied about. This is a time of preparation. I certainly believe that much. But I believe the preparation is not to do with how we arrange the chairs on a Sunday morning and how good the coffee is and how good the kids' work is. And, and, and what is our organisational capacity to deal with growth? Our preparation is, where are our hearts at? And what will happen if someone unsaved comes and sits next to you on a Sunday morning and starts asking you about your faith? Will you be ready? And you don't have to be ready by reading instructional manuals. You, it's just a heart readiness you're so full of the Holy Spirit that it just, it's just easy to talk to someone and you're ready because you're used to hearing from him and, and saying what he gives you to say. I only say what I hear the Father saying because you're in that kind of grafted into the vine unity with Jesus. Now, none of us are all there all the time. I don't want to make this too, too difficult for you. I'm just saying let's just keep praying. Keep praying for a harvest but keep praying that we'll be ready for it, that I personally will be ready for the the part that I have to play. And so Jehoshaphat's story is a great picture of how that looks. We're talking about preparation. We've said that a prepared heart puts things right. He did that in chapter 19. He turned people back to God. We've said that a prepared heart turns to God first in times of need. It's so easy to rush off and do things your own way or go to other people for help. Go to God first. A prepared heart listens and obeys, we've seen that now. And finally, a prepared heart is a worshipping heart. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and make praise sorry and to praise him for the splendour of his holiness. As they went out, at the head of the army, this is wholehearted trust. God said, "We don't have to fight, but just in case we do, we'll put the strongest men with the best shield at the front, and we'll yeah, we'll worship God. Well, they can go behind, and they can encourage from behind with their worship. That's the safe option. That's semi-obedience. That's not that's the pie chart with a slither in it, isn't it?" Now, this wasn't part of the instruction of the prophecy. This is Jehoshaphat responding, saying, Yeah, I'm on this, and this is how I'm going to prove it. We're going to put worshippers at the front of the army. And they're not even praising God for the deliverance. They're just praising Him for who He is, for the splendor of His holiness. That's like, God, you're just so awesome. You are so amazing. So they sing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies. Pretty gruesome. Lying on the ground, no one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, and sorry, where they praised. The Lord. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of, Jehu- of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully, I bet they did, to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at Peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. What a great story. What a great ending. No wonder he got them all to march down, because there'd be so much plunder. Preparation pays. Prepare your heart. There will be a battle. Worship him. Praise him. He will fight, and you will receive peace on every side. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.